He offers a resting place for me and his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. 
So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, Good evening, everybody. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship and our Wednesday night refreshing service. The Bible says that times of refreshing shall come from His presence. So, Heavenly Father, we're here tonight with a heart full of expectation to be refreshed and touched by You and by Your presence. And Lord, we thank You that You continue to flow and wash over us and just fill this place with Your glory and Your goodness. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a brand new song that Dave Pishka has written. We're going to all learn it together tonight. Amen. Chains break in the weight of your glory. Fire in love consume every part of me. Lord, search deep within me. Find anything unright and make it new. I want to be consumed by you. I want to be touched by you. 
Bye. 
place that you can get up and you can walk around in life and you can be free to move around. Oh, we declare in this place tonight, not only are chains broken, but that we can move freely because the weight of guilt and shame has also been removed and erased. Oh, we worship you in this house tonight. Let's worship in this house tonight. Oh, we worship the one with the biggest eraser in the universe. It's full of the blood of Jesus. It's full of the blood of Jesus.
our praises and dwelling within us. Oh, we give you all the glory and all the praise. And Lord, we thank you that we can have a personal, intimate relationship with you where there is open communication. We can hear your voice as you speak to us, Lord, and we just thank you right now for speaking. For I'm here to lift you up, says the Lord. I'm the glory and the lifter of your head. I am one who is risen from the dead. I know how to lift things up and put them in their place. I know how to fill you because you're in this place. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He'll lift you up out of sickness. He'll lift you up out of depression. He'll lift you up out of weakness. He'll lift you out of darkness. Hallelujah. He knows how to lift us up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. He's got strong hands and long arms. Amen. Like when Peter started to sink after walking on water, Jesus stretched down and lifted him up. Amen. And Peter and John, they took hold of the man who was by the gate beautiful. And they gave him what they had and, they, and he lifted him up. Amen. And strength immediately came to his legs. And he began to walk and leap and praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, you can shout a little bit. You can praise a little bit. Amen. It's okay to take a praise break. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's excitement in the atmosphere. There's power in the atmosphere. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God moves in atmospheres. Hallelujah. Well, if you can, you can have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do a great job? And what a fantastic song, Gabriel. I enjoyed that a lot. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Well, you're, tonight you're in a drilling site. And you know what happens when they hit the place? There's a gusher, right? When, when the drill gets to the place where it needs to be, it reaches the depth, it hits a gusher, right? And uh, what was inside starts to flow out. And uh, we're going to get in that flow tonight, amen? want to let you know, very important announcement. Our Woven's Women's Conference has four more spaces. Um. So we have 140 women registered. Amen. And uh, I'm telling you, our guest is going to be Robin Bullock for the conference Friday night, uh, Saturday, April 16th and 17th. And then he will be our guest here for our church service on Sunday morning at 10. That's the second weekend of uh, April. And uh, also on the 27th of uh, March, which is a Saturday, we have our Barnabas men's group. And then following that, we have our egg hunt. Right? Are you having a woven on the third Friday? Yeah. The woven women are going to meet this, uh, this coming Friday. Is that what, uh, 6 p.m.? Amen. Yes. Any other announcements, you can look on our website. And as always, you can make an investment if you want to in the kingdom of God. And God promises to bless your seed, and he makes it grow and multiplies it back to you, and you have good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
You can give any time during our service. We have our wooden container in the back. You make a check, make it out to BCF. If you're watching online, you can uh, go on our website and do that. And uh, many people have taken advantage of our website, and that's a great thing. Amen. Well, you're going to see a miracle tonight. I'm going to give you three messages in one. It's going to be the most potent few moments that you have here today in the name of Jesus. You know, um, following the Holy Ghost, it's not always cut and dry. It's more fluid like a river. You know, a, a river has different parts, different depths, fast, slow, deep, winding, waterfall, right? You can encounter all those, but there is one thing that is true for all rivers is they have one direction, right? They're always moving in one direction. And, um, you know, for example, God was speaking to Cornelius in Acts 10, and Peter was having a vision on his rooftop at the same time. And God was telling Cornelius to go to Peter's house, told him exactly where he was, who to look for, right? And Peter's having this spiritual encounter. He's having a vision of the sheep being let down, covering animals three times. And Peter's thinking on the vision, right? And then while he's thinking on the vision, the Holy Ghost says, there's some people at your door, go with them, ask no questions. Okay? That's fluid. Right? And so Peter gets down off the rooftop. He says, hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, why don't you come in? And then he ended up going with them. And he didn't know what he was going into. The Holy Spirit just said, go. And see, anytime the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, there's always going to be an element of faith. He's never going to tell you everything, but he will tell you the step to take. The action to take, the word to say, the thing to do. But then we have to take our faith and do it. Amen? And um, if you follow the ministry of Jesus, if you've read the Gospels, he was always moving. Right? Like, he was sitting there with his disciples. He said, oh, I need to go to Samaria. Okay? You know? And... He sends the disciples to go get bread. And he knew that he had to be in Samaria because there he was sitting at a well and he met a woman, which was the key to that city. Because when, she, when Jesus talked with her about living water, he went and told and then half the town came out because of her testimony. Come, look, come here, a man that told me everything about my life. What a testimony! So... My point is that when you follow the Holy Spirit, see, we're learning how to yield, to move, to flow, and to respond. Everybody say yield. Everybody say move. Everybody say flow. And everybody say respond. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. All right? Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, there's a scripture here about what's going to be happening in the last days. And you can see it unfold right before our eyes. 
2 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, but know this. You know, when God says know this, he wants you to know this. Right? In the last days, perilous times will come. Oh, I thought it was just going to be all peachy keen with bed of roses. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving. We're seeing that today, aren't we? Unfold in the world. Unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brooder, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But look at verse 5. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. See, religion follows the form, but the true church of God follows a person. You'll get messed up if you follow a form. If you think everything has to fit into a, a neat little box, God says, I, I'm not putting my foot in that box. God does not fit in a box. I mean, if you just look at the miracles that Jesus did, there's no form to that. I mean, he did all kinds of things. He would not get the approval of the American Medical Association. Right? His methods of healing were far different than they ever uh, proposed to know. So, they have a form of godliness, they have an appearance. These people hear the word, but they don't do the word. You know what happens when you only hear the word and you don't do the word? You deceive yourself. That's what James says. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only, or you'll be self-deceived. You know what? If you deceive yourself, you put the devil out of a job. So this word, form is the word morphosis. And it means an outline or a resemblance, an appearance. It's an outward form. You know, you could attend church all your life and not have a relationship with Jesus. That's having a form of godliness, but denying. Notice, you, you deny the dunamis. Who's the dunamis? The dunamis of the God is the Holy Spirit. People who have a form of godliness, they deny the Holy Spirit. In other words, they say that he has no influence over them. And these people are just going to do what they want to do, irregardless of what God says. All right? And, I mean, this is not really a good group to be put in with all this, you see all this stuff, right? Um, they claim the title of Christians like someone wearing a uniform, but the way they live, they dishonor God. And uh, in Isaiah... Verse uh, 29, verse 13, Isaiah 29, verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, 
For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. What, what did Jesus say that the traditions of men do to the word of God? Make it ineffective. Right? It invalidates it. I grew up in, in a, a church back in Illinois that was full of traditions. You know, and they, those traditions, listen, a tradition that's inspired by God is not bad. Right? But it, a tradition inspired by man is not so good. Right? So, uh, and they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. Or in other words, they wear a mask. You, you, know what, you know what the word for a play actor is in the Bible? It's called a hypocrite. Jesus dealt with the Pharisees. If you read Matthew 23, the whole chapter was not, uh, he, I mean, let me just put this here. He lambasted the, the uh, Pharisees for what they believed. Called them whitewashed tombstones. That means it, it's a tomb that was pressure washed. It looks good on the outside, but it's full of dead men's bones. That's what Jesus said. All right. Anyway, so we don't want to follow a form. We want to follow a person. And that person has a voice. The Bible said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He can be grieved. How is he grieved? Through disobedience, through not honoring him, not doing what he says, right? Not changing. You know, the Holy Spirit says, look, you need to change this in your life. Why? Because he knows our hearts. He knows the destruction that it will cause if we continue in that way. He's not trying to deny us joy. He's trying to prevent us from being destroyed. And when we don't change, we're dishonoring him. When he tells us to change, when we know we need to change. Amen? So, Ephesians 4.4. 4, it says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Every new thing that comes on, you just jump on board. Right? I'll never forget a story that I heard in Bible school. And uh, long, many, many years ago, there was a revival service happening. And uh, one person got into the aisle and they kind of hopped all the way down to the platform. They got on the platform and they jumped off. And then a couple other people did that. And that church went through a church split and they, char they started a church called the Church of the Leaping Frog. Because they were carried about by every wind of doctrine. You know, that's not how we need to be in the body of Christ. We need to be rooted and grounded in Christ and in love. Okay? All right, that's sermon number one. And I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. And I am just going to highlight some things that define a spiritual life. How many want to live it? You know, we've got to live a spiritual life. 
You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Before you met Jesus, before you got born again, your body ruled your life. But when you get born again, the apple cart gets uprooted, right? And now God puts your spirit in charge, and your body has to respond to your spirit. Before Christ, your spirit responded to the body, right? But when Jesus comes on the scene, your spirit is now put in charge because the spirit is the real you. Right? We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. And Christ wants us to live a spiritual life. So here are some pointers or some uh, principles that are all from Romans 8. Okay? Verse 1. All right? I touched on this several weeks ago. The first sign of a spiritual life is you're free from condemnation. All right? How many have been condemned? But now you got free from it. Oh, my goodness. Freedom is a whole lot better. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Then it says... Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? You do what you hear. I'm going to say it like this. To walk by the Spirit, you do what you hear it. All right? I know that that's not a good way to say that. In other words, you've got to listen to his voice and do what he says. Okay? Yeah, I just said it the first way to get your attention. Okay, and then notice all this is in Christ, not apart from Christ. Okay? So, the, the sign of that you're a spiritual life is you're free from condemnation, you're in Christ, and you're walking according to the Spirit. Okay? All right? And then you're rooted and grounded. In other words, Christ now becomes the center and most important person in your life. What place does God's kingdom have in our lives? Seek second, third, first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God has a king. His name is Jesus. Righteousness is the way he lives. Okay? And a spiritual person has a certain walk. You know, when someone's feeling good, they have a certain walk. But when someone's heavy, they have a certain walk. All right? How you. Your walk is how you live every day. Okay? We're supposed to walk in the light. We're supposed to walk by faith. We're supposed to walk in love. Right? We're supposed to walk in righteousness. We're supposed to walk in the new way of living. Right? New way of life. A Christian has a certain walk. It's a certain lifestyle. Okay? Romans 8, 2, verse 2. 
The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You've got to abide by the laws of God's kingdom. He still has laws. The main law of the kingdom is the law of love. But you're supposed to allow the Holy Spirit to influence you, to guide you, to direct you, to lead you, and teach you the Lord's way. No other religion provides you with a personal coach that lives on the inside of you to show you how to live the life. Amen? Jesus put the very same spirit that was in him that raised him from the dead in us. When you accept Jesus Christ as the Savior, his spirit is on the inside of you. Okay? So you've got to live by the law of the spirit, which makes you free from the law of sin and death. We were under the law of sin and death, but when we met Jesus, now we're under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is the life of the party. All right, verses 4 and 5. Those who live according to the Spirit, or those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. You know, you've got to be spiritual. A spiritual person is spiritually minded. Right? You know, when you walk into this room, we have four thermostats in this building. And they're set to a temperature. I don't have to keep changing the temperature. Because once the temperature is set, it rises or falls according to that temperature. And that's how our minds have to be set on spiritual things. Right? You've got to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be fleshly minded is death. How many want death? How many want life and peace? All right? So what are you setting your mind on? You can listen to someone talk within five minutes, you know what their mind is set on. Are they problem-oriented or victory-oriented? Are they feeling-led or spirit-led? All right? Verse 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So a spiritual life has this Holy Spirit within. You know, we got to become more God inside minded. Take time to listen to what he's saying on the inside. All right. We have to be intertwined with God's spirit. You and him and he and you. It's a relationship. The closest thing that we have to it is is the relationship between a husband and wife. They have a relationship unlike any other person on the planet because a husband and wife share the closest intimacy out of any other relationship. Amen? And and, uh, it's something that only is only for marriage. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. All right? Um, Go to uh, verse 14. Oh, wait. Before you get to verse 14, you've got to look at verse 13. A spiritual life kills the flesh. In other words, it denies the flesh from having its way. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul, the Apostle Paul, said, I die daily. Why? 
There's desires in our flesh that aren't in agreement with the Spirit. And so the Spirit has to override those desires by saying no. Amen? And if you're, if you're going to get to verse 14, you've got to do verse 13. You, you can't be led by the Spirit having being dominated by the flesh. And verse 14 is, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. A son of God, a spiritual person, allows the Holy Spirit to lead them. Right? In other words, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to connect with today? Right? You've got to allow him to lead you. Right? Paul, he never stopped moving. The Apostle Paul, he never stopped moving. But when he was headed in the wrong direction, the Holy Spirit said, don't come this way. So he didn't go this way. He listened to the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. Then he wanted to go to another place. Oh, don't go here. Okay. Then he saw a man in a vision from Macedonia saying, come. So then he went to Macedonia. And that's where he went to Philippi and had great success. How many know the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing? He is the most expert person you could ever meet. He was that creation. Right? He knows everything. He knows the heart of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the one we ought to take advice from. It's the one we ought to listen to. It's the one we ought to be led. It's the one we ought to follow. Amen? And then, a spiritual person enjoys the benefits of adoption. You get engrafted into God's family. And an adopted son and daughter has just the same rights as a a child born in the family. Amen? And we've been adopted and we can cry, Abba, Father. We can call God Daddy. We can sit on His lap and we can talk to Him. And He can wrap His arms around us. Amen. That's the signs of a spiritual life. All right. That's sermon number two. And now, sermon number three. You have to do all this by faith. By trusting Believing in God and His Word. To live by faith means you do what the Word says. You have an attitude that reflects the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You treat people like Jesus treated people. Ooh, getting quiet on me now. When you live by faith, you let your inward conviction become your outward manifestation. You have to live out what you believe. That means you have to be a doer of the Word. In order to do the Word, you've got to know the Word. Right? So first of all, we have to have a conviction. That's something that gets a hold of your heart. How many has God gotten a hold of your heart? Right? It's a firm-held belief, an assurance, a certainty, a persuasion. And once you have a conviction, it'll lead to a manifestation. All right? It'll show up outwardly. What you believe in here, you'll speak it. What you believe in here, you'll do it. What you believe in here, you'll carry it out. We believe on laying hands on the sick. Why? That's what Jesus did. That's what the apostles did. Amen? 
Mark 16, one of the signs of a, of a, of a believer is they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How many has got some hands? He didn't say preachers. Say, my hands are healing instruments. When they come in contact with sickness, sickness leaves. You don't have to say this, but sickness says, I'm out of here. Why? Because the power in you just needs a point of contact to release the power from in you to go into someone else. How did virtue go out of Jesus when the woman with the issue of blood touched his clothes? She made her way through the crowd and she touched her, his clothes in faith. And he, he said, "Woo!" I don't know if he said, "Woo." that's my interpretation. But he felt virtue go out of him. That word virtue is power. It's the same word for dunamis. See, when you connect to God by faith, something happens. All right? All Christians are called to live by faith. It's not just something we do on Sunday or Wednesday. We're supposed to live by faith every day. Quit getting up cranky and start getting up by faith. I don't, probably none of it, none of, nobody in here ever wakes up cranky. This is not my audience. And when you live by faith, you can't shrink back from challenges. Do you realize Joseph did not use the way his family treated him to neglect his faith? In other words, he kept his faith stronger. I mean, if your brothers want to kill you and they throw you in a pit and lie to your father that you're dead and sell you as a slave, I don't know about you, you'd be pretty ticked off. Right? But Joseph, he didn't let those ill feelings about his, his bad experience Hurt his faith. In other words, he, he did the best that he could do. As a slave, he prospered. Because he lived by his faith. He was tempted by Potiphar's wife. He said, how can I commit this sin against God? That's a spiritually minded person who didn't even have the spirit of God inside of him. He was more concerned about what God thought about his actions than anybody else. So, our faith doesn't, there's three words that would describe faith, right? Substance, evidence, and witness. And uh, in, go, you can go to Hebrews 11, and I'm almost done. Because my messages are shorter on Wednesdays because God's got to do some heavy lifting tonight. Amen? The word substance, faith is the substance. Now faith is, everybody say now. now. Faith is always now. Faith does not procrastinate. It never tomorrow. It's always now. It's always in the moment. Faith comes by, the minute you hear God's word, faith is active. And you, it can be received or rejected. Okay? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance. It means to stand under, to support, 
what a foundation to a house is, faith is to a Christian. You can't build a house on sand. Why? It'll wash away. You've got to build your life on something solid, something firm. And the only foundation that we can build on is Christ Jesus. And then there's evidence. Did you know that the Bible can prove things exist without you seeing them? Did you know Abraham lived in the tent, but he always focused, he knew that there was a home going to be built for him. You read Hebrews, you read the whole chapter of Hebrews. He lived in a tent, but he said, there's a, I got a home whose builder and maker is God. Amen? He, he, he was not limited to a tent thinking. He was just living in a tent because he knew he was passing through, but he knew that there was a home. And Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. I'm going to build a mansion. God is building every one of us a mansion in heaven right now. A custom-made mansion with everything that you like in it. Glory to God. And then the third word that describes faith is witness or obtaining a good report. Say faith is a good report. Faith is always positive. Faith is perseverant. Faith never quits, never gives up, never turns away. Faith takes on challenges that are bigger than it. David versus Goliath. He whooped that giant by faith. Amen? You know, David was the best babysitter in the world. He rocked Goliath to sleep. Amen? The best way to grow in faith is to hang out with the faithful. You know, faith is like a muscle. It'll grow. So here's how faith works. All right? God speaks to you through his word. Then you get stirred in your heart, right? Then you obey God, and then he bears witness with what he said, right? You hear it, you receive it, you do it, and you see the results. Everybody say, hear it. Because faith comes by what? Hearing what? The word of God. You hear it, and you receive it. You know, everybody has a choice with the word that they hear. You can either receive it or reject it because it is a gift. Right? You hear it, you receive it, and you do it, and you see, you see the results of it. All right? That is the essence of the parable of the sower. So people on good ground, they received, they heard it with glad, received it with gladness. And they produced fruit, right? They saw the evidence of the word being received in their heart. Amen? And Jesus came to duplicate the God kind of faith. When he said, Mark eleven twenty two, he said, have faith in God. He's like, have the God kind of faith. And he's given to every man the measure of faith. What have you been doing with your measure? Have you been measuring it out? Or are you keeping your measure for a rainy day? If you don't use your measure, you lose it. Because faith is a seed. And the only way a seed grows is if it gets planted in the ground. What's the ground that faith is planted? It's your heart. Faith is not good on the shelf. Because if it's on the shelf, it's not in your heart. You've got to get it in your heart. That's where it dies. But when it dies, it produces 
springs forth. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn of the ear. Amen? You look at how many people in the Gospels, they heard of Jesus. Hearing of Jesus means hearing faith. That woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, she dealt with that thing. But she heard. And what she heard changed her destiny. She said, I believe what I hear. I believe the reports that I'm hearing about Jesus. I'm going to make my way to Jesus. Right? Jarius, same way. Do you realize where Jarius lived was not too far from Gadara? Because the Bible says Jesus went to Gadara, right? He delivered, he got the man possessed with the legion of devils free. And then the Bible says he went back. And then they said, you got to leave our town. We don't want any part of this. But then the Bible says he went back. And when he went back, people were on the shore coming to him. Why? They heard the testimony of the man who'd been set free from all the devils. And Jairus heard that testimony. And when, when Jesus came to the shore of that place, Jairus came. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He did not care what he looked like in public. He said, come, my daughter lies near death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be well and, and live. And then they're almost to his house, right? And they hear the report, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the master anymore. Do you you realize God involved in your life is not a bother to him? God wants to be involved in your life. You determine the level that he's involved in. And Jesus looked at Jerry. He heard the same report. He said, don't fear, only believe. And Jairus just looked at Jesus and didn't say another word. He kept what he said originally. And do you realize? Jesus went in and did exactly what Jairus asked him to do. He went and touched his daughter. He was made well and she was raised to life. The very, Jairus set the parameters of how that miracle was going to be done. Amen? So you've heard three sermons today in one. In like 25 minutes. That's not bad. My very first sermon that I preached, it was to a group of, uh, it was the singles Bible study at the church I was attending in Tulsa. And there was about 50 singles in that group. And that was my very first sermon. I preached for 45 minutes. You know why? When you preach the Bible, you never run out of things to say. It's loaded. And you know what? If you look at this Bible... You say, oh my goodness, that's a big book. You know, some, some have said there's like over 7,000 promises in here, maybe more, give or take, I don't know. But that's a lot of promises. That would look like a, a lot of things to do, wouldn't it? If you were told that you had to live this book, you'd be like, oh, there's no way. But I'm telling you, God gave you a Holy Ghost. He gave you His very own spirit that was on Jesus, that that was in Jesus. He had the spirit without measure. He gave you the same spirit to help you put this book into practice. He'll help you get it in your heart. He'll help you understand it. He'll help you uh, know how it operates. He wants you to work in the kingdom. He's already given you the keys to the kingdom because he loves you. And he wants you to enjoy the kingdom. He wants you to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. I love the Bible. If you're not good at rejoicing, you get a second chance. Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Amen? 
Maybe your rejoicing didn't quite reach the level that it needed to. But the Bible is full of joy. It's full of rejoicing. People danced. People shouted. People fell on their face and worshipped. People expressed their love to God. When God moved, I mean, I mean, just the very mention of the name of Jesus causes demons to tremble. You want to make demons shake? Just say, Jesus. <gasps> they'll, they'll tremble. Because there's such authority and power in the name of Jesus. Amen? And when Jesus was teaching in a place, they said the power of the Lord was present to heal them. How many believe that God's power is present tonight? He's present to heal. He's present to touch. He's present to fill in the missing things. You know, Cornelius didn't even know that he should be filled with the Holy Spirit. He, was, he, he gave, he prayed, and he had a good report. But there was something missing in his life. God knew what it was. He needed to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And so he connected them with Peter and brought them together and... Cornelius had his house packed of people, and they all got filled. They were the first Gentiles to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the, the, the Jews who got filled on the day of Pentecost heard, the, heard these Gentiles speaking in tongues just like they did. Amen? God wants to fill you tonight. He wants to heal you tonight. He wants to help you tonight. He wants to give you direction tonight. He wants you to achieve your destiny. By the way, he's given you your destiny. Within our DNA, when we were born, we were born with a divine destiny, a divine assignment that God wants you to fulfill. Amen? And if you're here tonight and you need a touch from God, it doesn't matter what area of life you need a touch in, I just want you to come and receive tonight in the name of Jesus. God is here. And you've heard three sermons in one. And believe me, I had like 18 pages of notes. <laughs> but I know that God wants to meet you where you are. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be filled. It's a free gift. Amen? You need to be healed? Jesus is the healer. If you need to set your life if you need to change your course, change your direction, I'm telling you, there's no better guide than Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now for your presence here tonight. And Lord, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit as you begin to deal with people's hearts. In the name of, I know that some people are nervous about coming up. You don't ever have to be nervous. You know what? I had to come up front just like I'm asking you to do tonight to get born again when I was 12 years old. And I did, and I'm so glad I did. I never regret going up that night. Amen? But you getting out of your seat is an act of faith. And you saying, God, I need you. I need you to touch this area of my life or in my heart. I need it. And God will meet you where you are. He says he's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He wants you to focus on what's on the table and not on your enemy. 
He's already defeated your enemy. So if you need to be healed, if you need a touch, and if you can't come up, just raise your hand and I'll come to you. Amen? I don't have a cord tying me down. So who's come here tonight? You, You come and you need a touch from God. You need God to do something right now. Tonight's your night. God has met you. He wants to meet you where you are. He wants to help fill the the gap and make up the difference in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, you know what he needs. And Lord, he's come here tonight to receive of your touch. Oh, touch him, Master. Touch him and fill him. Renew him in the spirit of his mind in the name of Jesus. And just fill him up. Fill him up with your power and your goodness. In the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes, see, these are the sparks that start the fire. You guys are the sparks. Oh, Father, you know what he needs tonight. And I just thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Lord, meet him where he's at right now and lift him up. Lift him up. Raise him up. Bless him, Father, with what he needs and wants and desires in the name of Jesus. Touch him, Holy Ghost, with your fire in the name of Jesus. Oh, I release the fire and the power of God. He's adding coal to your fire. He's making it hotter and brighter so that you have more power in the name of Jesus. Power. Father, I thank you for the power from on high to come upon him now in the name of Jesus. Fill him and touch him, Father. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father, I thank you, Lord, that John is a believer. He's a doer of your word. He's a receiver of your goodness. Father, pour out your grace on him right now. Your divine enabling power. Your favor. Your goodness. Your riches. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Lavish is on him. In Jesus' name. Spread it on him, Father. Oh, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost right now to do what he needs to do in his life for his future. In the name of Jesus. Father, I speak a blessing on these hands. And whatever these hands touch, Lord, they will prosper. You will bring prosperity and increase to him in great and divine ways and creative ways. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. More than enough. More than enough. More than enough. Oh, Father, we thank you. She's come up here, Lord, to be tough, to get a fresh anointing, to gain strength in the name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that you're filling her with the living water and the new wine that's bursting out in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for touching her with your power and supplying your need, her needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. He's doing a good thing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you, Lord. She is free indeed. Free indeed. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you know exactly what you need. And you come here tonight with an abundance to meet that need, Father. To touch her where she needs it most in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you're anointing to destroy jokes and remove burdens. Thank you for your power in the name of Jesus. Your strength and your power. Lord, you are strengthening her with might in her inner man by the Holy Ghost. You're filling her full. Till she overflows. You're giving her wisdom, Father, in the name of Jesus. Wisdom to sort through all the stuff. Wisdom to get clarity and direction in the name of Jesus. Lord, you've given her gifts, talents, and abilities. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. I gave them to you. I'm not taking them back, but I want you to shine for me. I want you to rise up and be a voice for me, says the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I'm igniting in you a passion and a fire in greater ways for the things of God. Hallelujah. The Lord is saying, I'm satisfying your hunger and your thirst. Those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. He's filling you right now. Filling you. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I give you thanks and praise. Lord, you come here tonight with needs. Father, I thank you that you have lifted the burden. And Lord, you're supplying her, Father, with what she needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, just a touch from the Master's hand, Father. It releases dunamis power, explosive power. Lord, dynamite in action in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that your power touches her tonight in the name of Jesus. And it fills her, Lord. It fills the gap. It fills the voice in the name of Jesus. Your comfort and your peace and your power. A peace that passes understanding in your heart and your mind.
blessed and favored. The blessing of Abraham is yours because Jesus gave it to you. Because he hung on a tree for you. He took your pain and punishment for you. And he's made you free, free, free and full in the name of Jesus. Stress free. Stress free. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I get stronger after battle. I thank you for the power of the highest. I get stronger after battle. Like you did with Mary in the name of Jesus. I get stronger after battle. It's coming on you right now to do what it needs to do in the name of Jesus. To make things right. To set things new in Jesus' name. his people. He doesn't want you to be a bubbling brook. He wants you to have rivers that flow from your innermost being. Rivers, rivers, moving water generates power. Moving water out of your belly will flow. Rivers of living water. But this is full of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you for the rivers. of it and they claim ownership of it. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, there's some things that you're going to own. Things that you're going to own. God's going to open doors of ownership in the name of Jesus. He's going to make you an owner and not just a renter. Hallelujah, Father. I give you thanks and praise for ownership, ownership, ownership in the name of Jesus.
know? If there's anybody in here that's not walking as close to God as they could be, it'd be a good time to make a decision right now that you're going to walk with Him. Amen? Oh, just begin to walk with God. Walk with Him in the cool of the day. Walk with Him as you're driving. Walk with Him. Talk with Him. Fellowship with Him. long-distance relationships because he's not bound by time or space. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. Hallelujah. He can meet you where you are. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I thank you that you brought her here tonight for a fresh touch in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in her, and you're quickening her mortal body. In the name of Jesus, maximum, optimum capacity. In Jesus' name, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. You know, John the Baptist, he was a pretty wild dude. So was Elijah. So was David when he danced. It was pretty wild when Elijah ran faster than chariots. It was pretty wild when Peter got out of the boat and actually walked on water. It was pretty wild for Jesus to stand before a tomb of a man who's been dead for four days and to call him forth. Hallelujah. I'm calling forth the Lazaruses now in the name of Jesus. And I call you loose and let go. Anybody bound by grave cloth, you're loose and let go to be you, to be who God called you to be. work is a progressive work. The name he revealed to Moses was a different name that he revealed to Abraham because of the progressive revelation. Amen. He'll show an aspect of himself that you need to know in the moment. Oh, our God is a good God. He's a great God. And he loves you. He wants you full. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, you know. 
just thank you for a saturation of impartation of the Holy Ghost and power in the name of Jesus. Fresh anointing, fresh touch, fresh revelation in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us tonight, moving in our midst, performing your word, doing miracles, signs, and wonders. Lord, we love you, we exalt you, we give you all the glory and all the praise. Thank you for sealing this work that you're doing with the Holy Spirit. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And everybody said, Amen. You may go, you may stay. Have a blessed night and a blessed week.